It's Mock Draft Monday. We're going to open up with a conversation around one of the most popular prospects that the New Orleans Saints already have an undeniable connection to. Then we'll get into our first Locked on Saints seven-round mock draft of the season, and we'll hear some of yours as well. We got our listener mock reviews to wrap it all up. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. Could the New Orleans Saints immediately, right off the bat in the first round, target another Ohio State Buckeye prospect? I think it would be a good idea. They've got three different prospects that they could be uh, looking at that would be coming out of Ohio State in the first round. And our friends over at Locked on NFL Draft, the daily podcast covering the NFL Draft that's hosted by Eric Crocker, former NFL and AFL cornerback, as well as our analytics expert here on the network, Ryan Tracy. They selected one of those three, and it was wide receiver Garrett Wilson for the New Orleans Saints at pick 18. Now, a couple of notes that Ryan mentioned about who actually made the selection about Garrett Wilson. He mentioned that he was his number one wide receiver on the board for this year at, at this point, of course. Uh, dynamic ability, great idea to pair him with Michael Thomas, for instance. He's a bit of a do-it-all guy that can move around. And that last piece right there, do-it-all guy that can move around, is a huge piece of why I really like Garrett Wilson. Listen, you're going to hear a lot of conversation over the course of this offseason about how Garrett Wilson is a slot receiver, and that's all he's going to be in the NFL. You'll remember that conversation because everyone said it about Justin Jefferson as well, and now look at what he's doing over in Minnesota. Now, there are two other great Ohio State prospects. Another one at the wide receiver position is one that you all know that I absolutely love for the New Orleans Saints. Chris Olave, fantastic route runner, does all of it. Uh, Garrett Wilson's a little bit more kind of frantic in his route running, but because of that, he sells double moves very well. He does a lot of uh, really nice movement within short spaces. He's got good short area quickness. That's one of the reasons why people like him as a slot receiver, because it gives him a lot of that space to be able to work with, be twitchy in, all of that. The funny thing about that, though, is that he took 488 snaps on the outside, 107 in the slot, according to Pro Football Focus. That's over the course of the uh, 11 of the 13 games that he played in his final season with Ohio State. In a final season that he was absolutely off the charts, by the way. He, as well as uh, guys like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and of course Chris Olave, who you all know that I absolutely love for the New Orleans Saints, they all went over 1,000 receiving yards in this season. Uh, Garrett Wilson, on his own, ended up with uh, 1,058 yards, as well as 12 touchdowns on 70 receptions with a 68.6 reception percentage. He has a 70.8% catch rate throughout his three years at Ohio State. That's massively 
impressive. He's also the younger prospect, Garrett Wilson is, out of him him and Chris Olave, who went back for his senior season. Garrett Wilson, who would be coming out after his junior season here. So he's been an absolute phenom for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that undeniable connection that we talked about is exactly that. The Ohio State Buckeyes, the New Orleans Saints love their Buckeyes. They've had a lot of success drafting them all the way back to rest in peace, Will Smith. You look at guys like Malcolm Jenkins, as well as, of course, Marshawn Lattimore just this past season and Pete Werner. The New Orleans Saints love their Buckeyes. And so when you look at the three potential selections that are going to be early on in this draft coming out of Ohio State, you've got Garrett Wilson, you've got Chris Olave, and then you've also got uh, Nicholas Nicholas Petit Frere, who would be coming out as an offensive tackle as well. So um, as much as I love the idea of the New Orleans Saints drafting a wide receiver, we know that offensive line in this first round is very, very, um, I don't want to say likely, but it's certainly something that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints do, right? It would be within the wheelhouse of what they need to do in order to continue to build on the offensive side, especially if they lost Ron Armstead over the course of the offseason. So then it becomes a question, right? Do you end up losing Tron Armstead and having to replace him? If you can't replace him in free agency, do you look to the draft to do that? And then the quarterback position, right? Because we should acknowledge that, you know, the New Orleans Saints could be on the market for a quarterback this offseason, could require a trade, guys like Russell Wilson, but also more likely guys like Derek Carr and, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, for instance, neither of which do I like more than just Russell Wilson coming back, saving that cap space, not having to part way with a first round pick, all of that. And if Jameis Winston does return for that 2022 season, a weapon like Garrett Wilson, who may be able to line up opposite Michael Thomas, if Michael Thomas is a New Orleans Saint for 2022, which again, I've talked about it before, but I'll say it once more. I speculate that at this point, he will be a big key piece to watch over the offseason is if they restructure Michael Thomas's contract. If they do, then they absolutely expect him to be in New Orleans for the 2022 season. Otherwise, you wouldn't be kicking money down the road on the guy. So if you have a guy like Garrett Wilson, who stands at over, just, just over like a shade over six foot, but not yet, not quite six foot one, 192 pounds. He crosses the thresholds for what the New Orleans Saints like in wide receivers. Although he's a little bit on the light side, they usually like him over 200 pounds, but he can either get there or he's not far enough off that you would end up turning away from him by any means. So Ryan Tracy takes Garrett Wilson to the New Orleans Saints with pick 18. He did also mention just a final note here that he would have loved to try to get a wide, excuse me, a quarterback to this team in the draft, but with Matt Corral, as well as Kenny Pickett all off of the board, even Sam Howell off the board already, a quarterback that they expect to rise. We'll get a look at him over at the Senior Bowl. It was an easy decision for him to make to go to wide receiver instead. If you can't get the young quarterback in the building, then get a weapon for whoever the quarterback is to be able to take advantage of. Now, we're going to talk more about other possibilities for the New Orleans Saints in this 2022 NFL draft here throughout the rest of the episode. It is our mock draft Monday. After all, we're going to go into our first seven round mock draft of the off season. We'll update these and do these every single Monday, but I'm not going wide receiver first round. I want you to know what the New Orleans Saints could potentially find in the second or third round 
at wide receivers. So let's take a look at that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. But first, I want to tell you about our friends, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's Built Bar, right? People are still working on their New Year's resolutions, keeping them alive 17 days into the new year. Good on you. But I want to make sure that if you have a New Year's resolution that's around the idea of getting fit, eating right, all of that, that Built Bar is in your repertoire because it is the best tasting protein bar on the market. A protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, gives you everything that you love in a candy bar, but you're getting all of the health benefits of a protein bar instead. You're talking about four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, but 17 grams of protein loaded with fiber as well and covered in 100% chocolate. Yes, 100% chocolate, but still only four grams of sugar. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and get yourself a box of Built Bars over at Built.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your next order. That's 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, Huda Nation, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. And as we continue on with today's Mock Draft Monday, want to dive into our first seven-round Mock Draft of the season. We'll continue to update these every single uh, Monday as we go through our Mock Draft Monday episodes. So we're going to go through the New Orleans Saints seven selections here. The Saints are kind of going to kind of be in between seven or eight selections, depending upon how things kind of go over the course of the offseason. And this is with the expectation that they have not traded any assets to bring in a quarterback, because this is really just an opportunity for us to look at like rounds one through six effectively and say, here's players that make sense for the Saints late in this draft so or throughout this draft at all levels. So let's talk through it. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't go with a wide receiver early so we could talk about pass catchers in day two. So I open up this draft for the New Orleans Saints, still going to Ohio State, sticking with the Buckeye connection here. Again, like I mentioned, it's an undeniable connection. And the New Orleans Saints would not be wrong to go offensive line in the first round. Lots of questions to answer about health on the offensive line, depth on the offensive line, future of uh, players that could stick around or not stick around on the offensive line as well. So I went with Ohio State offensive tackle, Nicholas petit Frere, And the reason why I went with him is because he gives you a potential starting left tackle day one if you needed him to, or if Teron Armstead comes back for the 2022 season, the Saints use it as a kind of short-term cap-saving measure so that they don't have to eat all of that dead money right away. Then he's somebody that ends up developing behind the rest of this offensive line working with fantastic offensive line coaches, including former Saints offensive lineman Zach Streif, and developing into a starter. He's brutal. He's physical. He's a mauler. He is extremely athletic. He uh, can run the zone run, run the gap run scheme. He's a great pass blocker. That's probably where he's best is in his pass sets. Struggled against guys like Aiden Hutchinson uh, and and, uh, David Ojabo, of course, out of uh, Michigan. But we're not going to kind of ding him for, you know, struggling against the absolute best in the country. I had the same sort of feel about AJ Terrell and look at how AJ Terrell has panned out over in Atlanta. So when I look at where the New Orleans Saints could go opposite pass catcher, offensive line makes a lot of sense. And so does Nicholas Petit Frere. So that's our first selection at pick 18. Now in the second round at pick 49, I'm going to go with a wide receiver here and we'll go with David Bell. That is the wide receiver out of Purdue. Line him up wherever you want. Ask him to do whatever you want. Doesn't matter. The guy is impactful and very effective as a wide receiver, and he's great after the catch. And that's something that the New Orleans Saints used to rely on a lot when this offense was 
predicated uh, with the short and intermediate pass. They're going to continue to be predicated in that. So you want the yards after catch ability, which the Saints didn't have in 2021. You had Alvin Kamara and you had Deontay Harris, but you lost both those guys for certain games. Alvin Kamara had to play a larger role as somebody that simply ran and got you two or three yards, which is a role he didn't used to have to serve in the previous seasons with Mark Ingram, healthy Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray. Going into 2022, hopefully his role gets back to being able to be a little bit more kind of involved in space, but to help you out there, you're going to want a wide receiver who's going to be able to churn out some big yards as well. And I think David Bell can absolutely be that guy, but let's not stop at wide receiver. And when it comes to pass catcher, let's keep loading up this offense a little bit here early on pick 98 ish, right? This is going to be a compensatory pick at the end of the third round. The second one for the Terry Fontenot hiring last year, we'll go with Ohio state going back to the Buckeyes tight end Jeremy Ruckert. I'll tell you the two things that I like most about Jeremy Ruckert's game, and you're immediately going to understand why he makes sense for the New Orleans Saints. First of all, he's a fantastic split zone blocker, great in split zone action. The Saints run this a bunch. They didn't run it as much last year as or this year as they did last year, but they like it. It's a part of their offense for sure, particularly when Taysom Hill is under center and he's, you know, you're using his sort of joker packages and all that stuff under center. Jeremy Ruckert would be a fantastic asset there. The other thing, oh, and just to kind of talk about it, split zone, for those that don't know, or or just as a refresher, uh, zone run to whatever the play side is, wherever the ball is going. But on the back side, where the ball is going away from, they leave an unblocked defender. Usually what will happen in a split zone situation is that the offensive line will flow right, let's say. They'll leave an unblocked defender on the left side. Then a tight end from opposite the formation is going to come behind the line of scrimmage and cut off that unblocked defender at the pass. That is the split zone action. And Jeremy Ruckert is fantastic and extremely violent <laughs> in that area of the game. So he's a great fit there. And he's also a seam stretcher, something the New Orleans Saints have not been able to find at tight end over the course of the last, I'll say, few years. Uh, even with, uh, with Jared Cook, wasn't always a threat that you wanted him to be up the seam, right? Jeremy Ruckert, very much a seam stretcher. So he's somebody that can pull a safety down to pay attention to him because he's a receiving threat which opens up more potential attacks over on the perimeter for a guy like David Bell, or you end up having a situation to where the safety, the two safeties stay shaded over their half of the field toward the outside, which opens up the seam and you can gun in a pass right up the seam to the tight end. Jeremy Ruckert serves both of those purposes extremely well, and therefore I think would be a very good fit for the New Orleans Saints. So that's us kind of reloading the offense. Now I kind of shifted course to the defense to talk about some of the late round defenders that the New Orleans Saints could find. And I went back to back in the secondary here. So I went back to back pass catchers. Now let's go back to back secondary. I started off with Florida A&M, FAMU, HBCU, uh, Marquise Bell, safety coming out of there. He was with a division one school, had an undisclosed code of conduct issue that didn't seem to bring up any type of legal anything or another. So not too worried about that. He came into FAMU and played outstanding football. He is not a ball hawking safety. He's got a couple of interceptions, got a few takeaways, things like that. But what he does extremely well is that he plays downhill remarkably well, like Malcolm Jenkins level well. And the reason why I like him for the New Orleans Saints is exactly that. He's somebody that could be the future for you as that box safety, that attacking safety near the line of scrimmage. He has that skill set. He shoots through tunnels extremely well. He's very good at picking angles. He's a fantastic tackler. He's a great blitzer. So he does a lot of things well. So that's one of the reasons why I like him. You have that versatile kind of chess piece in addition to CJ Gardner-Johnson that you could move around. And hopefully you're able to maintain Marcus Williams going into that. We'll talk about some other 
potential safeties throughout this offseason that could step in to Marcus Williams' role. But I'm going to be honest with you, there are not a lot of ball hawking free safeties in the draft this year, right? You're looking at a lot of downhill good tacklers and some guys that are good in coverage, but you don't really have the big time ball hawking talent that you can usually find in the second, third rounds. It's not there. So the Saints would have to kind of fill that hole if they lost Marcus Williams in free agency. Now let's go to another uh, defensive back here, Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. He doesn't have kind of that PJ Williams type role to where he can be, you know, line up all over the place. We'll talk about one of those guys here in just a little bit when we get to our listener mocks. But Cam Taylor Britt at six foot, 205 pounds is somebody who is a great perimeter uh, depth guy, which the Saints don't really have. They don't really have an outside depth guy anymore at the moment. Bradley Roby might be around. He can kind of do that, but he's a little bit more of a slot guy, but he's also going to cost you like $10 million next season. Uh, that's all non-guaranteed. So we'll see what happens if he's even on a team next year. If not, a guy like Cam Taylor Britt late in the draft is going to be a great special teamer for you, which is kind of what you're looking for at the end or at in day three, which is where we have the Saints selecting Taylor Britt and also could potentially develop into great depth for you out on the perimeter. So that would be good for the New Orleans Saints to have. Now we'll wrap up this one with our final two selections that get us into the fifth and sixth rounds. It's going to be D'Angelo Malone, the edge rusher out of Western Kentucky, as well as uh, Atito Agbania, I hope I got that right, uh, interior defensive lineman out of UCLA. We'll start off with Malone. The reason why I like him is because he's somebody that could develop into another edge rusher for you. He's somebody that plays well in five tech, so he can defend the run, but he can also be kind of that hybrid edge rusher for you as well. So he's just somebody to keep an eye out on and somebody that you could potentially add to just be a part of that rotation, which is something I think the New Orleans Saints will continue to build, especially because you don't know how much longer you have Tono Passanio, if he's even going to be around next season. So having a guy that can kind of move around a little bit, but that can give you some pressure off the edge is fantastic. Uh, Agbania coming out of UCLA. UCLA asked their defensive lineman to do so much. You remember one of my favorite uh, defensive linemen coming out of last year's draft was uh, Osa uh, Odigizua, who did a ton, right? Interior spin move was incredible. Played on the edge, played inside. Not really getting a lot of edge play from Agbania. He is 319 pounds after, uh, uh, you know, uh, after all, but he is a great nose tackle, one three tech, plays that really well and can be a penetrating edge rusher, but a great run stopper as well, which is always going to be the Saints kind of first and foremost piece of attention. You look at guys like Shai Tuttle, as well as Malcolm Roach, who they did bring back on a future reserve deal, even uh, you know some of these other you know interior defensive linemen that they have spent some time developing over the course of the past few years, particularly undrafted guys. You add him to that list as a late drafted guy that can continue to develop with Ryan Nielsen and the rest of the defensive line. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to talk about a few more prospects as we dive into our listener mock drafts as we continue on and wrap up today's mock draft Monday on Locked on Saints. But first, look, sometimes these unusual circumstances might feel like they're going to create kind of these more complicated tax situations. But for our friends over at TurboTax Live, their experts actually find these to be a little bit more interesting makes things greater for you because let's say you're somebody that inherited like a condo or some type of property or you're getting paid with crypto and not sure how that's going to be taxed. We're seeing that all across the world of sports. Now, uh, TurboTax Live experts see all of those interesting life things and it can help you get a greater refund out of all of it. So luckily, the experts over at TurboTax Live can end up getting you matched with somebody that understands the experience or has even experienced what it is that you are, and then they'll take care of the whole filing process 
for you if you'd like. So whether you're somebody that has launched your own startup or you're working multiple jobs or you live in one place and work in another and not quite sure how the filing process should work for you, you can get it all taken care of, including your tax deductions, including getting the tax deductions that you deserve with our friends over at TurboTax.com. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes into it. TurboTax Live. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with our listener, Mocks. Remember, if you do a mock draft and you want to get it featured here on the show, you can go ahead and send it to me however you like, whatever is most you know most convenient for you. And we'll try to break down a couple of listener mocks every single mock draft Monday. Now, I want to start off here with our good friend, B Money. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. I want to make sure I get his Twitter handle out there as well. Love 13 He ended up sending a very interesting mock draft here. Uh, walked away with five selections, but I think five quality selections. At pick, at uh, round one, pick 18, wide receiver out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. Now, Jamison Williams had the late ACL tear during the national championship game. So I'm a little bit wait and see on him, but it's undeniable that like if this guy is is healthy and is good to go by the time that the season begins, that he's an incredible talent. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Runs through that long list of Alabama wide receivers that, you know, are most of them finding success in the NFL. So Jamison Williams definitely, if he's healthy and if he gets to, you know, participate in the the offseason draft process enough to prove that, I think he's gonna remain a first rounder, but could end up falling down to where the New Orleans Saints could get him at 18 which I think a lot of folks think is late for a wide receiver, but honestly, because of the number of quarterbacks, the number of offensive linemen, and the number of cornerbacks in this draft that are going to be high commodities, wide receivers are probably going to fall down the board a little bit this year. So definitely something to keep an eye out on and see who's going to be able to raise their stock. But Jameson Williams might be able to keep his alive. Now, I like this. He ended up trading up so that he can get up back, get up a little bit in uh, round two and grabbed uh, MyJ Sanders, the edge rusher out of Cincinnati. I mean, the guy's it, the guy's remarkable. He's got length. He's got power. He is somebody that can you know uh, uh, win with pass rushing moves. He's got a plan. He has all that. So just to add him to the Saints that were already over you know forty sacks this season, almost got to fifty sacks again this season, would be absolutely incredible. So a great part of that rotation. And again, if you lose Tano Passano, you're looking for a fourth player in that rotation. And then you end up in the future having guys like Marcus Adport, hopefully Peyton Turner, and then Amaji Sanders, who could end up holding down your edge rushing positions for the future. Next up, uh, okay, this is the other cornerback that I really wanted to talk about. Uh, in this, for this one, Kobe Bryant, cornerback out of Cincinnati. So he went two Cincinnati players back to back, but I'm not mad at it because here's what Kobe Bryant gives you. Kobe Bryant gives you, by the way, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, uh, gives you um, PJ Williams. He gives you PJ Williams. He's somebody that's able to walk into the room and learn any position on the defense that you want him to learn. Now he's a very talented outside uh, corner or perimeter corner for sure, but he's also played in the slot. He's taken snaps at free safety. He's taken snaps in the box. Go ahead, ask him to do it and he'll be able to do it. So it's one of the reasons why I really, really like Kobe Bryant because you run the risk of losing sort of this defensive chess piece in the secondary and PJ Williams that you want to get back and you can get him back with a guy like Kobe Bryant. Uh, LSU linebacker, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, he's LSU, the New Orleans Saints aren't going to take him. That may be true. That may be true. However, we're looking at prospects that are going to be available around certain points. And Damone Clark, we're talking about him as a fifth round prospect right now in a lot of circles. So 
expect that to go up, right? Once he tests and everything, but he at best is going to be a day two guy, unless like the Seattle Seahawks fall in love with him or something like that and take him way earlier than they should. But Damone Clark is somebody who is an incredibly talented, great build linebacker, modern day linebacker who just simply was hurt by bad defensive play calling and bad defensive schemes all throughout the LSU 2021 season and unfortunate LSU 2021 season. So if you like somebody that can do a little bit of everything, if you like somebody that can cover, that's got sideline to sideline speed, but they can also be disruptive in the backfield, Damone Clark is your guy and he's a talent to certainly pay attention to. Even if you don't believe that the Saints are going to draft him simply because he's LSU and he is your type of linebacker, you still want to get to know him because you'll be able to build your sort of expectations off of other linebackers based upon what you already know about Damone Clark. And then to wrap us up here in round six, he went with Tyler Davis, defensive interior over with Clemson. Clemson always putting out very talented defensive linemen. Tyler Davis, absolutely a part of that group. All right. And our final prospects come from our good friend, Brian Abel from over at the Locked On Saints Facebook group, which you can join by searching Locked On Saints group over on Facebook. Uh, So I want to talk about his first selection, but we'll go through it pretty quickly because it is Chris Olave. You didn't think we're going to go a full episode without somebody drafting Chris Olave, did you? Uh, At round one, pick 18, of course, he's great for you. I mean, he's a future wide receiver for you, does everything right, struggles a little bit against press man coverage, but if he wins off the line of scrimmage, he wins all the way downfield, so you'll take that variance, no problem. Uh, Very good route runner, really super crisp, sells out routes all the time, does a phenomenal job. He would be great to have not only for now, but also in your future as you continue to look at this wide receiver room and how it might change moving forward. In the second round, interesting selection here, Carson Strong out of Nebraska. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Carson, weak. But when it comes down to it, Carson Strong is an interesting prospect for the New Orleans Saints. And if you're going to invest in a quarterback, you're probably not investing in the first round of this draft because by the time that you get uh, you know, to who's available at 18, are you really looking at a starter there? You're looking at somebody to develop. And if you're looking for somebody to develop, then you might as well take somebody to develop in the second round. And that's who Carson Strong would be. This pick I absolutely love in the third round, at the end of the third round, Zach Charbonnet out of uh, UCLA running back. He is just one of those, like, he's a Darren Sproles type, right? You put the ball in his hands and you just kind of let him do what he does. And then he's able to pick up a ton of yards for you. It could be a good return man for you. can be a good pass catcher for you out of the backfield. Be a very interesting piece that kind of serves a role that is like Ty Montgomery's, but without the line him up at wide receiver stuff, which you might be able to develop out of him anyway. Uh, but really, really interesting selection and a very exciting, electrifying player. Uh, Verone McKinley, the safety out of Oregon. He's somebody that does have a little bit of that like better deep coverage skill, but like we mentioned, no real ball hawking safeties in this draft outside of maybe Kyle Hamilton. But Verone McKinley is probably the next best when it comes to coverage, in my opinion, and I might just have a higher opinion on him than I need to. But as of right now, in terms of my evaluation, he's a great coverage guy, not the biggest ball hawk, uh, but he's somebody that can cover deep for you. But that also ain't afraid to come up and make some tackles. Tight end Jeremy Ruckert ends up on this list, as does Warren McClendon, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. So I love paying attention to the offensive line late and then jumping over to the defensive line to uh, later on in this draft, Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State. Got to get more Ohio State love in there. DJ Dale out of Alabama both of which are guys that you can move around a little bit within their respective responsibilities. They're not really guys that are going to have a lot of versatility for you in terms of playing both edge and interior, but they can serve a lot of roles in terms of playing outside, both that five-tech run-stop stuff, wide nine edge rusher for Tariq Smith, 
But then with DJ Dale, you can move him all around the interior, kind of a shy Tuttle type, if you will. And to wrap up this draft, an interesting prospect here, Ty Freifogel out of Indiana. Now he was severely under-recruited coming out, but he's a part of this like really deep draft class. Consider him a possession receiver, six foot two, 205 pounds. Not the greatest when it comes to contested catches, 47.1% contested catch percentage over the course of his career, about a 57% catch percentage all told throughout his career, 14 touchdowns, went over 700 yards in 2020. The, the thing that I like about Freifogel is, or, or, or really there's three things in particular. He is, his catch radius is insane. I mean, he's somebody that like just put the ball up in his general direction and he's able to, able to come down with it. But the other two things that are most important to me are his physical play as a possession receiver, which is something that you really want. He's got some versatility as well. He plays, he's played a lot inside, played a lot outside, but he's going to really project as an outside possession guy. But he's a fantastic run blocker as well. I mean, really, really good run blocker. So not only does he contribute to you as somebody that could go out there and potentially help in those packages, but he contributes potentially as a special teamer as well, which is what you'd be looking for in a sixth, seventh round pick, late day three selection. Anyway, he would be the first wide receiver drafted out of Indiana since 2014. It's definitely something to keep an eye out on. All right. Those are all of our mock drafts. So many different prospects that we talked through. Of course, we, you know, there are some prospects that we didn't get to talk about today and everything, but we have all offseason to continue to go through. And we'll have certain episodes that are going to be dedicated as we get closer to the draft to breaking down individual prospects and why they're a good fit with New Orleans as well. But this is an opportunity for us to introduce you to a bunch of different prospects. So I hope that you enjoyed. We'll do this again on Monday. Come to tomorrow. It's Twitter Tuesday. If you have any questions, make sure you hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. Let me know what you want to hear about in tomorrow's episode. I'll try to answer as many questions as possible. But anything we don't use, we'll use later on down the road. Nothing goes unused here in the offseason. So we'll get to your questions tomorrow. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day today. For your second listen, go and check out Locked on Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. As always, for anything else you need in between these episodes on your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them address to that nation. I'll holla at you.